It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Live Mike. I'm Ethan Millard. I've got Holly Richardson here with me. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, by way of uh, a little mini introduction on the two of us, if you've just jumped in, Holly is a past member of the Utah State Legislature, and she's the current editor of Utah Policy. And uh, I'm just a guy. You can uh, hear me with Alex Keery on the Nightside Project, which is one of KSL News Radio's great podcasts. You can listen to it on the KSL News Radio app. Uh, or iTunes or wherever you find great podcasts doled out for free because free is always best. And we've got new episodes up. So if you enjoy the Nightside Project, well, then you'll certainly want to check it out. We'll be recording again a little bit later on this week. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, we're going to give everyone a little bit of an introduction to a man named Lloyd Austin. Maybe I should say four-star Army General Lloyd Austin and current United States Secretary of Defense. He's actually the 28th U.S. Secretary of Defense. He assumed office just a couple of days ago on January 22nd, of course, nominated by the new President Biden. And uh, Holly, this is history. This is a history-making man here. History-making moment. For sure. For sure. So uh, first of all, we have to say he's the first black defense secretary in U.S. history. Um, he had a really long career in the army, 41 years. Um, I actually am a military brat myself. I grew cool. up with my dad as full-time air force. And so lived all over the world, um, and know what the life of a military career military is like from the family perspective. But, um, he, he's, he's really been quite remarkable. He was, um, he was the U.S. Central Command leader also, and he has been retired from the military since 2016. And so that is less than seven years. And the Congress had to have a special vote to grant a waiver for him to hold that post because the rules require that you be out of the military for seven years. And he's just under five, I think. Yeah. But it's not the first time. No, it's not the first time. We did it just recently. We did. We did it four years ago. And by we, I mean Congress. So four years ago, um, the, the Mr. Trump's first defense secretary, uh, Mattis, also a four, tar, a four star, he was in the Marines, but he um, he also had to have a waiver because he had been out for about four years instead of seven. Hmm. You know, I think it's uh, it's it's awesome. They've taken this step. And every time we talk about things like this, you know, these these milestones like uh, like mm -hmm. the first black defense secretary. We inevitably get people responding, well, what's so important about that? You know, why is why is this any kind of important thing? Yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, I, you know, yeah, he's he's just a, a highly qualified man. You're right. And there's not necessarily a reason to uh, to look at his race in terms of his qualifications for the job. But and this is something that I've kind of learned recently. We had Alex and I on the Nightside Project it, over the well in the spring. We had regular conversations with a woman who leads the uh, uh, the diversity office at Weber State University, and mm -hmm. she was just so helpful in kind of winding through some of these because, you know, Alex and me 
we're just a couple of white guys, right? And we do our best. I like to think that we're open, generous people, but um, you know, we also have our blind spots. And it was so valuable. And one of the things that I that I really kind of solidified in my mind is the fact that when I was growing up, every important person out there looked just like me. All the CEOs, all the major business people look like me. Almost all the celebrities look like me. Uh, All the politicians look like me. And even though I, you know, grew up, you know, we were on the on the on the poor side of town, right? My parents are 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 highly educated and great people. Never made never earned a lot of money. We had seven kids and the world remained wide open to me no matter what. And so I think one of the cool things about uh, about this man being in this position now is that now uh, young people who can start to enjoy the same uh, childhood that I had, where they can look on the TV and they can see these massively important people that share their background and share their history and share their ethnicity. That's, I think, what helps to open up a lot of doors for people. Just just him being there. Yeah, I, I don't think his race was why he was chosen, right? No, but, of course not. But it's to your point. I mean, um, just this weekend, we passed the anniversary of when Rebecca Lockhart was sworn in in 2011 as the first and only female speaker of the Utah House of Representatives, right? And one of the things that she noted was that she recognized that people, girls and young women could not see themselves in political office because they didn't have female leaders to look to. And so that was one of the things that she took really seriously when she was there. And there actually is a senator. um, uh, His name is Jack Reed. He's a Democrat out of Rhode Island, and he's the chairman of the Armed Services Committee. And he said, he said specifically, he really addressed that issue. He said a significant portion of our armed forces today are African-Americans or Latinos. And now they can see themselves at the very top of the Department of Defense, which makes real the notion of opportunity. Right. And, and I think those kinds of things are really important. And, you know, he has a, he has a really strong um, military background and he'll be going in, in a civilian position. That's why they need the waiver. Mm. Oh, that's why they needed the waiver. Well, then yeah, let's bring up the waiver separation. because Utah <laughs> played an unfortunate role in that. Congress, the Senate, the Senate basically has to, you know, approve this, right? Approve this waiver yeah. so that he can serve in this position. And right. Senator Mike Lee refused to support it. Senator Mike Lee voted against installing this he, man he, as Secretary of Defense. He he voted against the confirmation, and um, there was one other senator, and that was Josh Hawley in Missouri, and they voted no. So it was 98 to 2. Um, four years ago, the vote, uh, there was only one no vote, and that was um, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, um, who voted no because of the waiver, she said. But anyway, that you are correct. It was 98 to 2, and Senator Lee voted um, against seating him. But with General Mattis, when General Mattis needed a waiver— he voted yes, and I haven't had an opportunity support. to talk to his office about why the difference in the in the vote changed. So it may just be that um, it didn't work out that great with Mattis, and they needed the extra years. I'm not really sure, but it, he's installed, uh, and um, he is he he's got a couple of things that he wants to aim for. One of them he has already taken action on, and that is to look at sexual assault within the military. Um, it's a problem. It's a problem that's been buried for a number of years. And um, I, I think the Me Too movement started to bring that to the surface a little bit more. 
but he has already issued an order to start that investigation. And the other thing he has is that he he has vowed to, quote, eradicate extremism in the ranks. Um, and he told that to the Pentagon as he was um, testifying in front of them last week. Well, that's a good thing because we know, and the FBI has been telling us for years, that white supremacist groups have been using the military as training. They've been going to the military just to get that military training so that we can use. We saw what happened on, on January 6th. We saw how potent yeah. those white supremacists can be when they have military training. Uh, so hopefully he can really get yeah. a handle on that. We've got to grab yeah. a break here in a minute, but why don't we let... Uh, President Biden takes us out. President Biden signed an executive order right now on U.S. manufacturing. So let's drop in there as we go to break. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.